Thank you, Terry, orchestra, praise band, choir, soloist. God bless you. Remarked in the first service, Leonardo, good to see you. God bless you. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for being here today on Easter Sunday, 2019. Good to see you. Bubba sends his greetings. Who? Bubba. He was going to tell an egg joke, but he said wasn't all it was cracked up to be, so we're not going to do it. Listen, I could have told a bad, he had actually a bad uh, rabbit joke also. said, uh, what do you call 20 rabbits walking backward together? A receding hairline. It's bad. It's even worse. It's even worse. But anyway, he did leave something that had some significant meaning to it. How do you make Easter easier? Change the T to an I, I'll just tell you. You're probably trying to figure that out, right? I see the reaction with E, A, that's it. But Easter, the fact is, how do you make it easier? Well, you can believe in the one that Easter's all about. And you can make it profoundly true. Welcome those in our simulcast today that are watching here in other states around the world. Blessed you're joining with us this Easter Sunday 2019. Today's message has to do with Well, how the resurrection impacted a couple of people, but today I submit to you that the resurrection is very personal, and one way or another it impacts every living person, every person that's ever lived. And so today you can put yourself in that place, if you would, how has the the resurrection impacted your life? Once again, two people we'll look at today. One was someone who became a deacon in the early church, his name is Philip. To get a quick recap, since it's about the fourth or fifth message in the series, culminating here from Acts chapter 8, as these last weeks we've gone over uh, a soul-seeking saint and a God-seeking soul, we culminate with this passage found in Acts chapter 8 about what takes place. There's an Ethiopian eunuch who's the treasurer in this great kingdom in Ethiopia. He has traveled all the way from there up to Jerusalem in his time of worship. But he's leaving. He's on his way home. The Spirit of God tells Philip he is to go and travel on this road, this desert road, the road to Gaza, and to meet someone there. And he gets on that road, and lo and behold, there's this Ethiopian eunuch, but lest you get this picture in your mind that there's a lone soul with this chariot that's driving along the road, please think about this. He's the treasurer. He holds the purse strings, right? And so he has no doubt an entourage, a caravan with him. Someone else is in charge of this chariot, and it's not just like a Ben-Hur kind of a thing for one guy with 20 horses on it, whatever. Those little blades are cut into the other chariot. This is probably something very fancy, something that's quite larger, something that has shade on it, and the entourage would be carrying tents, food supplies, and such as he made this journey hundreds and hundreds of miles. You'll see from this map that will come up in one second here that Ethiopia is way down here, and you go all the way up into here, into Palestine. So it's a long, long journey that he made and had this entourage with him, and there we have it. 
Philip has met him. The Ethiopian eunuch is reading this prophecy out of the book of Isaiah. And he wonders, who is this about? Who was led like a lamb before the slaughter? Who kept his mouth quiet like a lamb before the shearer? Who was this? Who was slain in this way? Who could this possibly be? And Philip is alongside of this chariot, and he's listening to the eunuch as he's speaking out loud. And he says, do you know what he's talking about? He says, how can I know? And he invites Philip to come up into the chariot and look at this passage that's found in Isaiah chapter 53, a prophecy about Jesus. And so we'll be going along at a Brooklyn pace today in this message about 240 miles an hour. And so you can stay with me. Some of it's in your notes, some of it's not. But today's message has to do with the impact of the resurrection. And it is personal. And whether you're here today or you're watching today, as perhaps you've just done this for the first time and watching on the simulcast or just here today, like many of you, I have been to place of worship earlier in my life where I didn't have the connection of the resurrection and Jesus. I knew about it. I could tell you about it. But there's a difference between knowing about Jesus, knowing about the resurrection, and believing in it. So we'll go forward. If you'll bring up that scripture passage, there we go. Philip was prepared. He goes. He's making this journey. He gets directed by the Spirit to get on this road. It doesn't make sense. A lot of what happens in life, as you probably already figured out by now, when you're following the Spirit of God may not make sense, but it makes godly sense. Since God knows everything, he can direct our paths to different places we need to go. The Word of God shows that Philip showed how Jesus fulfilled this prophecy. He begins to talk to the Ethiopian eunuch and say, this is talking about Jesus. He was the lamb before the slaughter. He was the one that gave his life willingly for us. 2 Peter 1 20 and 21 tells us, above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. Isaiah didn't kind of just make up something and say, I guess this sounds good, I'll write this down. No, the Word of God tells us what happened. For prophecy, what? Never had its origin in the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So I submit to you today, what God do you believe in? A God that can't inspire people to write the correct words, to write things down. The God that can see the future and foretell the future. Or some other kind of God. If you believe in a limited type of God, you do not believe in the God of the Bible. With all due respect, you can believe that. Whatever kind of God or the idea of God that you have. But I submit to you, biblically, that the Word of God tells us that the things that were written down that are miraculous and beyond any person's knowledge came by the Spirit of God. Now, there are many other things that we know about today that God led people to write. If you ever read the book of Revelation, it's pretty crazy, isn't it? You look at that book, see all this prophecy for the future. Some of the prophecy in the Bible even talks about things that no one could have thought of in that time. One of them being there would come a time where no one could buy or sell without a what? Without a number. Now, back in biblical times, that had to seem so bizarre. In fact, if you look at some of the theology books from 100, 200, 300 years ago, how can that possibly be? We live in a day and time where most of you are known to your bank, your lending institutions, your workplace, or whatever, by your number, right? 
You go into a place, what's your number for this? What's your account number? What's this number? What's your social security number? The Word of God says in the Bible, you're written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You have a name. Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You're not number 207-502-629. Please stand there. You have a name. In fact, when Elijah and Moses are with Jesus at the transfiguration, they kept their name. Aren't you glad for that? I hate those numbers, don't you? Well, we're not a number to God. So Philip showed just how Jesus fulfilled this prophecy. And the Holy Spirit of God is the one that guided Isaiah because the Ethiopian Ethiopian eunuch didn't know. Who is this talking about? It's incredible. Who would do this? It was Jesus. Bring up the next passage if you would. So Philip teaches him about the death, resurrection, and exaltation of Jesus. Romans 10 14 and 15. How then can they call on the one whom they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. And what a good day it was. This man had traveled hundreds and hundreds of miles, no doubt at great cost, brought all these people with him, made this journey, even though he had a luxurious chariot and and, and the different trappings of the day. It was still a hard journey to make. But he made it. He goes to a religious city filled with religious people, and he's leaving not knowing what this prophecy is about. He went to the temple area and misunderstood or did not understand or no one bothered to explain this, this Jesus, this one who was crucified in this city. He's the one who rose from the dead. He is God. Jesus died for every person's sin. You see, the thing about today is this, a lot of people never personalize this day. They celebrate it in many other ways. Many will go out to a family meeting later today, or some have already gone. Some attended our sunrise service, and they're off to Raleigh, Charlotte, Knoxville, all over. In fact, how many are going to be traveling to some their family or eating with family somewhere today? Let me see your hands. Right? Just about everybody's going someplace, and if not, most everyone is. Nothing wrong with that. I, as I said in the last service, I, en- I enjoy eating sometimes. <laughs> the other men of the day, I'm not, but I enjoy it. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with being family. All of it's good. But if you miss the significance of today, if all that is, it's about eating and going to some other house, it misses the significance of this day. It misses the most important part of the day. Jesus died for everyone's sins, and every person delivered Jesus up to the cross and killed him. You will see depiction behind me, there's three murals. You will fit in one of those three portraits of that from back in that day and time. One of those three paintings. On one side, you have the Roman government, represented by the centurion on a horse, secular humanistic thought. It may be, well, I know you all have your organized religion, but I have my own thoughts about that, or I'm going to save the earth this way, or here's what I believe. On the other side, you have this. It's the religious people. There's the Pharisees there watching the crucifixion, and they're the people who believe there's some system of working a person to heaven in some way, through keeping the commandments or whatever. They're right there. And beneath the cross, we see Mary, a depiction of Mary and John, who had faith in Jesus Christ. As God who took on flesh, who died for the sins of the world and rose three days later. 
So today we have the same thing existing that existed back then, and we all fit into one of those three categories. It may be with nuances of difference, but we all fit there. That's why I say today that the resurrection is personal. It affects every person that's ever lived and is living today. I've got a photograph with me of, it's the oldest athletic photograph that I have. Many of you know I collect junk, I mean antiques. And I collect a lot of sporting. If you've ever been in my office, you would see antiques ranging from the 1880s, 90s to about 1950s. This happens to be a photograph of a football team. It's a high school football team, believe it or not. And you cannot see the garb that they're in, but a lot of it's homemade. Um, and it's from 1901, if you can believe that. So it's 118 years old. And some of the helmets, I'm going to use the word helmet very lightly. Uh, one gentleman in the, in the photograph is holding uh, two, it's, it's a helmet, it's two pieces of leather, kind of shaped in an X, and it's got a piece of leather around the bottom. Several of them have a helmet. It's simply cloth. It's like a, you know, like you wear a headband, a sweatband. It's looked like that, that someone just put some stuffing in and they'd wear it around their head. It's pretty cool to see it. I've looked in a magnifying glass to see what kind of shoes they have on, other crazy things that people that are junk collectors like me look at. But one of the more poignant questions that we have to look at this morning, since this is, well, 118 years ago. Have any of you ever met any of these guys? <laughs> Just think, if there were 18 when this photograph was taken, it'd be 136. They're gone, aren't they? The question that I ask myself, since this is a real photograph of real people that went to a real high school in a real place, where did they end up in eternity? Where did they end up? You know, one day people will look at our photograph, and we may have it on a cell phone or going through, and that's all uncle so-and-so and they, whatever, or aunt so-and-so. or gra- Where will we end up? Because that was their destiny one day to live and one day to leave this earth. It's every person's destiny. And so that's why I say again, this is personal. The resurrection is personal. If the word of God is true, and I use that in a conditional sense, it is true. You can look at the historicity of it. You can look at the prophecy of it. You can read it and see how it tells the true story of me and of you. It tells of God's love for us. It tells us how we've sinned. We fall short of God's glory. And the prophecies that have stood the test of time show forth that there's something divine about the book, inspired to tell me about me and you about you. Jesus died for the sins of the world, and we nailed him to the cross. It's personal. Jesus loved us, and by his mercy... He withheld what we deserve, and by his grace, he gave us what we didn't deserve. He died for our sins and rose three days later. The Word of God says in 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15, For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. One died for all. I can't pay for my own sins, and dear friend, with all due respect, you can't either. It took a perfect, eternal God to do that. And that's the great news for you today. You see, Christ died our death. Death, biblically, is to be separated from God forever. 
Everyone deals with the first death. It's where what happened to these guys in this photograph. You stop breathing, your heart starts, stops pumping, and you leave the earth. That's the first death. The second death is separation from God forever in a place called hell. I don't know on a day like this where we lack the, the, the dynamic of being able to be biblically correct and biblically correct in the sense that I can say there is such a place because the Bible talks about it. It doesn't matter, as I said probably back in, before I knew Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and some other people might say today, many do, well, I can't believe in a place like that. Well, non-comprehension doesn't equate non-existence, period. You see, God says there is such a place, but you don't have to go there, friend. That's what Easter's all about. Jesus made it possible for us to live with him forever in a perfect place called heaven. The idea that heaven is for good people or secular humanist people that live a good life, there's nothing wrong with living a good life. It can never wash away sin. Only Jesus could do that. And bottom line is, to be perfectly transparent and honest, many, many will come in the last day, Jesus said, and said, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all these wonderful things in your name? You can read it in Matthew seven twenty one. He'll say, depart from me, you doers of evil. I never knew you. So you can know about Jesus today. You can even call on Jesus. But if you have not received him into your life as the only one that can wash away your sins, the one that died and rose from the grave, if you have not said, Lord Jesus, I want to receive you into my life as Savior and also as Lord because you're both simultaneously God, I see the way I was living for me. I seek to live for you, not to be saved, but because I am saved. You will be the Lord of my life from now on. And God, I know I'll not get it done perfectly, but I'm not going to live to earn something. I'm going to live because of what you bought for me by your death, burial, and resurrection. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, separation from God forever. Romans 6.23. But it also says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus' resurrection... I know today on a day like this, there'll be people that look at today and kind of mock it. I get it. I was a mocker of religion, of things of the Bible. In fact, some of the people began to talk to me about Jesus years ago. I kind of mocked and poked fun at them. But the Bible gives us no less than 10 times after the resurrection, Jesus what? And before he ascended into heaven, he appeared to people. No less than 10 times. I'll read these very quickly. As they come up here, he appeared to Mary Magdalene in the book of John. He appeared to the woman running to tell Jesus, uh, tell the disciples about the empty tomb in Matthew 28. He appeared to Peter in Luke 24. He appeared to two amazed disciples in Luke 24 again. He appeared to the disciples while Thomas was absent. He appeared to the disciples when they were fishing. He appeared to the disciples when Thomas was present. And Jesus says... What does he say to Thomas? Here, put your, put your finger in my hand, put your uh, hand in my side. Jesus retained his scars after his resurrection. And what we call something that's ugly, and we try and cover up scars, I guess. And I've got one in my arm that's kind of healing up, and I understand that. But they're a thing of beauty, because what they stand for. How did Jesus, by the way, know what Thomas had said? Because he was God. He appeared to over 500 believers at one time. No doubt they were gathered together. He appeared to them. He appeared to James, a half-brother, in 1 Corinthians 15. He appeared to believers at Ascension. He also had some post-Ascension appearances after he ascended into heaven. 
Stephen at his martyrdom, see Jesus standing at the right hand of God, and Paul on the road to Damascus. We have at least 10 post-resurrection appearances of Jesus. Now listen, during that day and time, it would be very easy with this many and probably many more to qualify to Jesus really come back from the dead. But I've submitted many times in front of this church, and I submit today as you watch. Think about this. Different theories have been put forth for Jesus' resurrection. One of them is the disciples came and stole the body. Okay? Yeah, right. Yeah. They came. They wouldn't even go to the crucifixion of Jesus. They ran when they came to get him. But they faced the guards in front of the tomb. And if they broke the seal on that tomb, they'd be killed. They took the body. And then, if you have the credulity to believe in that, then you believe that you've got 11 people to decide, look, we know it's a lie. Jesus didn't come back. We took him and we threw him in a ditch. But let's all agree to die for the lie. People who had wives, children, and family, could you get, could you get people to do, die for a lie you knew it was a lie? Let me ask you, does that ring true to you? Would you do it? Would you die for a lie you knew was a lie? I submit to you today, if all you had to do was say, no, I was, it's not really what happened, and you would live then I submit to you the same thing we see here, that Jesus did come back from the dead and they saw the risen Savior. Now, bring up the next one if you would. Word of God says in Acts 8, 36 through 38, Philip's up in the chariot. He explains to the eunuch. It says about Jesus Christ, the eunuch believes. It says, as they traveled along the road, they came to some water where the eunuch said, look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders, orders to whom? those in the caravan, those that were leaving that chariot, to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water, and Philip baptized him. So we see a picture where sometimes people say, why do you all baptize like uh, by drowning people in that water down there? What are you doing with them? Well, it says they went down into the water. Baptizo means to dip, and he places them under the water, believing that he Christ died for his sins, and then he raises them up, believing that he Christ was raised from the dead. That's what we do right here. We ask someone what they believe about Jesus Christ. They believe Jesus Christ died for their sins and rose three days later. It's a profession of faith. And so the eunuch goes down with Philip. He's baptized. And everyone in that caravan is watching, by the way. I know I would have been. How about you? What's going on here? This guy just can't, All this is going on, right? And so we see something. And we see as we look in this next particular, thank you, that he proclaimed, Philip proclaimed how Jesus fulfilled the prophecy that's found in Acts 8.35. Because the eunuch asked, who was this talking about? Himself or someone else? I want to know who this is talking about. And so we find out that Philip tells him who it's talking about. It's Jesus. He was here in this city. He was crucified. He came back from the dead. And he is the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. He loved you and died in your place on the cross to make it possible for you to live forever. Keep going. The man believed that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. Romans 10, 9 and 10 tell us that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. That is, that he is God. He's the Master. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved for it is written with, for, excuse me, for it is with your heart that you believe and you are justified. It is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. 
And so we ask people about their profession of faith, but profession of faith is more than just doing it in that water, although that gets us out of our comfort zone. Because many people ask, why do we, why is it, what is it about baptism? Baptism marks a time in life where we did really believe that. Water cannot save anyone, am I right? Some of you parents, do you wash your children, right? Did you get your homework done? No, they may tell a lie. Water doesn't wash away sin. For parents, children, adolescents, seniors, make no difference. But one thing can. It's the power of God through his shed blood, his giving of his life on the cross, taking our place, dying our death, and coming back from the dead that gives us life. And so we have this wonderful, wonderful promise that if we will come to that place where we believe, not acknowledge it's true, but believe biblically, really believe in our heart that, that Christ did that for us, that we connect to him in that way by faith. Thank you. Bring up the next one. So what happens? This man desires baptism. Look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? He asked the question. Here's water. I believe this. I'm not ashamed to do this publicly. Here's my whole caravan. I, I, there's this water here. Let's go do it. What's preventing me from doing it right here? Word of God says in Acts 2.38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit comes to indwell people who have believed that Jesus Christ is the Savior, their personal Lord and Savior. You receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He comes to live inside of a person. People say, well, do you live like you want to after you're a true believer? The Holy Spirit comes inside of you to show you how you continue to repent. Not doing it your way, but doing it God's way. God, I'm going to hold a grudge against this person. No, you're not. My word says, I'll repay, says the Lord. You're putting the love business and the witnessing business. I'm taking you out of that. God, I'm going to get back to that person. No, you're not. God, I won't forgive that person. No, you're not. The Holy Spirit leads and guides us. And when Jesus is the Lord of our lives, we listen to him. Not the fleshliness that's living inside of us. Bring up the next one if you would. It says, Philip and the eunuch went down into the water. Matthew 28, 19 and 20, the Great Commission. Therefore, and get, and go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And so we see a triunity of God, not three gods, but one God revealed in Father, Son, and Spirit, even in baptism, which gets, once again, it gets us off center. We make a public profession about who Jesus is. The resurrection is personal. It affects every person listening in our simulcast, every person that's here today, one way or the other, and all the people that have ever, ever lived. Word of God says, when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, whoever appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Now, it says the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. That's the same word found in 1 Thessalonians for when the Lord is going to do some crazy, wonderful thing. Suddenly took, the same word used for the rapture of the church. So we have Philip here baptizing this eunuch. They come up out of the water and poof, he's gone. Now, the people of the caravan say, wait a minute. I know that he was there with this person that went in the chair. Where is he? I believe God gave an attesting sign to all those people that are even in the caravan. Now look at 1 Thessalonians 
uh, 4, verses 16 and 7. The Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we are still alive and left will be caught up. Same word you see in Acts 8. We'll be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so we'll be with the Lord forever. What a wonderful thing that God has done for us. It's the same word found there. It's the same word that reflects what happened to Elijah when he's caught up in that chariot and goes up to heaven. He suddenly is gone, period. He's taken out of that. It was miraculous. It's incredible that God could do such a thing, but he did on that particular day. Harpazo is the name for suddenly, and it means to be snatched away. Same word once again in 1 Thessalonians. Boop, go up like that. And how it all happens and how God does it, that's why God is God and I'm not, and you're not either. Okay? God is a God of creation, and God can will something that can happen in his essence, his attributes, his nature, and his character. And if none of that's violated, God goes ahead and he can do it the way he wants to do it because he is God. As we look at this next passage, it says, And the eunuch saw him no more, but went on his way rejoicing. Joy is an attesting. It's an attesting kind of a sign of a true believer because it changes where we find our joy. Because on this earth, you will have some unhappiness. Am I right? Anyone been happy every day, every second of their life? Right? right? Some are saying, I'm not even happy right now. Pastor didn't want to be here. I get it. I get it. All right. It's okay. It's all right. Listen anyway, right? Joy is an attesting sign of a true believer because God changed what we become joyous about. You said, see, the word of God says in Hebrews 12 too, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross, right? Endured the cross. See, he, he did something that had so much redemptive good. And for believers, God can work through us to do so much redemptive good. We have a different idea of what steers our joy in life. In John 15, 11, Jesus said, I have told you this so that, you may, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. You've never heard it said from this pulpit. When you believe in Jesus, everything goes right every day and it's all good. Money flows down from heaven. You'll get every job you want. You'll marry the person you want. That's every, everything will be, your children will be perfect, everything. Jesus never said it. He said, in this world you'll have what? Tribulation. He gives that promise. I found that to be true, have you? <laughs> it's true. But it's okay. Because Jesus had that type of tribulation come into his life and he still had joy because of the redemptive value and qualities from that. You see... We get to continue the rest of the story. And what is it? What happened to Philip? We have this story. What, what happened to Philip? He goes to Azotus. That's the old Philistine capital, Ashdod. It's on the coast down here. We have Caesarea up here. It says, Philip, however, appeared in Azotus. We go all the way through from Acts 8 to Acts 21. Paul's on a missionary journey. And what does it say? After leaving the next day, we reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip, the evangelist, one of the seven. That's the guy. So Philip's been listening to the Spirit of God, directed by the Spirit of God. Time passes and passes and passes. Paul comes back on a journey. Let me ask you something. How cool would it be if you hear a knock on your door? All of a sudden, what? Who is it? It's the Apostle Paul. Oh, come on in. Wanted to ask you a few things. You see, what a cool meeting that was. That's where they go. Paul, 
from that journey goes to this man's house because he was known as a faithful man of God. The resurrection made a difference in his life. And he goes to Philip's house called the Evangelist, one of the, seven, one of the original seven deacons that we see in Acts chapter 6. And so we see this map where he went. Then it says, that's okay, go back. That, keep on going. You got it. There you go. And he preached in all those towns until he reached Caesarea. So he gets transported from the water, boom, to Azotus. He goes from there. As he's making his way home, he preaches in all those towns. He didn't stop. said, my life's over. I got it done. I can just ease on in. No, once you get excited about talking to someone about Christ, seeing this great thing happen, we see that Philip's life was blessed as a believer. Pretty rich. Not many people can say, you know, when they have their little guest book they bring out, look who stays in my house, right? He's talking with Paul, hearing all those great stories about what took place. Also, begs the question, what happened to the Ethiopian eunuch? Scripture does not tell us. So I cannot tell you scripturally. I can tell you from some early church fathers that he became a missionary to Ethiopia. Perhaps, I can't say biblically, I'm just surmising with you that people on that caravan, since this man became a believer, I imagine that some of them were scratching their head. What just happened? Where's Philip? And the Ethiopian eunuch explained to them, and early church fathers say he became a missionary to Africa. And many people, no doubt, came to know Christ because of this man who had that tremendous power. We find someone that passes from death to life in the Ethiopian eunuch, and God made a difference in his life. See, if he was only just a treasurer there, big deal. The money gets gone. How much money did he have? How much did he leave? He left all of it. What kind of charity did he have? Makes no difference. What did he eat? That, who cares? Where is he? It tells us where he is because he became a believer. He passed from death, the second death, into life. He's in heaven. What a great thing. The resurrection made a difference in his life. I don't know where these people are that I showed you on this, this photograph. I don't know. Once again, all of us, one of the three categories behind me with nuances of difference, will have photographs of ourselves one day. Where are they? What happened to them? How old, right today, right now, is the oldest person on earth? I looked it up. I didn't put what's the oldest person because you can find lots of different listings there. I wanted to know up to as close as I could, and I found up to April 15th, tax day, ironically. That's the closest I can get to the oldest person alive on earth today. Her name, Kone Tanaka of Japan. She's 116, 100 and 15 and 11 days old. When you get that old, you count the days, right? <laughs> you count them. You just, you know. But let me ask you a question. If you were personally asked to insure her for a million dollars, and if you didn't have the million, put your house, every possession on that, insure her with a life insurance policy, and she'll pay you $200 a month, would you do it? Why? Hmm? Why? How much longer is she going to go? Right? Thinking, wait, $200 a month at $2,400 a year? What if she goes 10 years? I'll only get $2,400. No, you wouldn't. It's not ugly. I don't mean that to her. God bless her. She's made it that far. But the inevitable thing is to get down to the heart of what this is all about today. We're going to leave this earth. Who are you leaving with? You see, if you leave with your sins paid for, 
If you leave standing before God, not to confess how good you were, but how good Jesus is, that he loved you and took your place on the cross, suffered our death, separation from the Father, the most misunderstood statement perhaps on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus wasn't complaining. Wouldn't say, look what happened. You forsook me. I, I should have been saved. Jesus could have called on a legion of angels. Jesus could have had them levitated. Jesus could have had them all killed. He went, he said, no man takes my life. I give it willingly. When Jesus took the sins of the world upon himself, the Father had to turn his back on him, and that was our hell. He was separated from God. But he rose from the dead. He proved he was God, proved he paid the penalty for sin. And friend, you can have that assurance today. As pastors come forward, we're not going to wait long. Today is a day to get connected one way or the other. If you're a believer, are you excited and do you have joy in your life like Philip had? Philip left that situation and he went on, talked to all others until he got back home. And he continued to do that. He was a man, a person used by God. Believers, take note. Jesus wants us to have that joy every day. And yes, some days will be harder than others, but God wants to have it. If you're here today and you know about Jesus, have heard about Jesus, even believe in a degree to Jesus, unless you believe the biblical record, all you believe is about the idea of Jesus. Jesus was God who took on flesh, as I said through this message. He loved you, friend. He died in your place. Heaven will be perfect. Not one sin can enter into heaven. And the wages of sin is death, separation from God. That's what Jesus did for us when he died. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The wages of sin is death, separation from God. But when he paid for that sin and rose from the dead, he said that if you will come to him, we'll give you eternal life as a gift. Then you serve him not to be saved, but because you are saved. He's your savior, the only one that can save you, and he's your Lord. Where you die to yourself and live for him. It's a process called sanctification. In the midst of that process, you'll have some downfalls. You'll experience perhaps some heartache. And there'll be a time of growth in your life. But you'll be heading toward becoming more like Christ. So today, the offer goes out. Don't let this Easter resurrection day come and go again. If you haven't received Christ as your personal Lord and Savior yet... Do like the eunuch did that time. People may have mocked him, laughed about it. They may not have understood it. But he did what he needed to do, and we still know about him today. You'll leave a photograph, a portrait, a picture of yourself. Where will you spend eternity? If you'd like to make that decision today, we'd like to know about it. Coming forward will not save you, but sharing the decision is a great first step to say today, Easter Sunday, 2019, I made that decision. If you'd like to do that, there's pastors here. We'd love to speak to you about that decision and be blessed in it. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to come as a candidate for membership. We have a new members class starting at May 5th, May 5th. There's breakfast, there's lunch. It's a great time learning about our church. Question and answers is a great time. And today, if you haven't made that decision yet, whether you're watching in a simulcast or here, There's no more important decision you can ever make in life. I'm going to ask you to stand right now. Please don't wait. Respond as God has spoken truth into your heart today. Just as.